Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Day number two of week number whatever hell it is. We're about to do it all again. Beverage and snack, yes. People in the chat, I, I'm glad that you're starting to get the hang of this. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are. It's a real family show tonight. Family friendly. Gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bumper, your host, hopefully for the next hour or so. See how we do. See how we go. See how we roll. We're going to have some fun tonight. Thank you so much for joining us on this day number two of the Boogie Bumper Week, which is incidentally hump day. You'll be pleased to know. Hump day comes a day early on this show. Another reason why you should subscribe. Another reason why you should genuinely consider taking up the boogie bumpy boogie bumpy (laughs) the boogie bumper calendar boogie bumpy is nice man you should definitely consider taking up the boogie bumper calendar because by tuesday the week's half over so really what have you got to lose who really wants to work more than three days a week let's be honest although to be fair i would do this every day if i could Not for you, just do it for me to cleanse because I just love the sound of my own voice so much. (laughs) What the hell am I talking about? Um, (laughs) If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to work three days a week, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a busy couple of days. So much to get through, so little time. And we are definitely going to touch on Kamala. Kamala Harris. The stunning, the ravishing, the very promiscuous Kamala Harris who has extended herself not only from the presidential race but now to writing policy for Twitter. So we'll review some of her latest ideas and who she thinks should be released from the Twitterverse, from the Twitter sphere, if I can use such a term. Who she thinks no who she thinks should and should not be allowed to speak. Which in the era of complaining about what's responsible for a president and a politician to talk about, I'm sure it's very responsible for a politician to go on international television and identify individuals who should be removed from a quote unquote free speech platform. <laughs> That's very responsible of Kamala. So we will get into that. I've got a couple of other things too, and I've got so many tabs open. Uh, tomorrow's show is probably going to be be a little bit chaotic, so I hope you can make it tomorrow. Why am I spruiking tomorrow's show before I've even started this one? I tell you, I'm really off. I'm really off kilter lately. Ever since the game where we got thrashed by eighty nine points, <laughs> still getting over that. But um, 
people say I often I, I don't talk about uh, you know personal stuff often enough. So let me let you in. Let me open the kimono. Let me tell you a little bit what's going on in my world. I decided uh, very recently that I need to lose a few pounds. I was once a pretty fit kid, but those days are long behind me. <laughs> You'll be unsurprised to know. So I've decided to lose a few pounds and I'm doing these protein shake things. And the last couple of days I have I have cut right down on the beer skis. So I'm on beer number two for today. Hopefully by next week that'll be down to beer number one. But at this stage it's I just can't. I just have to go for that can. I just have to go for that bar fridge. Yeah, we've all got vices. Raging alcoholism just happens to be mine. But hey, you know, nobody's perfect, right? I mean, they drank wine in the Bible, so it can't be that bad. There's worse vices out there, trust me. So I'm happy to, you know, admit defeat when it comes to when it comes to booze. But so I'm mixing. I'm having these protein shakes. And then uh, I realized quite suddenly that it doesn't really mix well with beer, especially cheap imported German beer in a can. So I spent the better part of yesterday strapped to the commode. And I reckon I lost about 10 pounds in the sitting position. And it cleared out all of my insides. <laughs> but... <clears throat> Um, dropping all the salt and the sugar and everything else over the last, you know, it's only been like three or four days, but I'm really tired and I feel run down because all of that artificial goodness, all of that manufactured process goodness that my body has become accustomed to, uh, it's now screaming out in pain. Like where, where am I getting my drugs from? Man, you can't cut me off, man. I just need one more hit, man. Just a Mars bar. Just a Reese's cup. Come on, bro. Anything. Give me anything. I swear. I'll suck your dick for a Snickers bar. That's what my body's telling me right now. And I have to say sorry. I'm on a new path. I'm on a clean path. I'm walking the path of being a very annoying dinner guest. Um, How much salt is in this? Can we... Yeah, I don't, maybe, uh, maybe I'll just have some celery. Do you have celery in this house? No, I don't really feel like ordering pizza. No, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm trying to, you know, watch what I eat. Who invited Boogie? Who invited Boogie to beer and pizza and football night? I don't know. I didn't invite him. He just showed up. Um, I guess we can do some rice or something. Rice, very carbohydrate heavy though. Shit. Is this guy going to eat anything? So I'm turning into that guy, that douchebag. But hopefully not for too long. Hopefully maybe a, a month or so, once I drop the appropriate amount of pounds that I'm hoping to drop, and then I can just get straight back into my early grave mindset, which I'm very much looking forward to. So the long, long story short, feeling a little bit tired, feeling a little bit run down, but hopefully over in the next couple of days, we'll get right back into it. Somebody said, "Don't go vegan." Oh no, that's not that's not a that's not an issue. Nobody's going vegan. Trust me. I was laying in bed yesterday, and um, you know, I was starving. The stomach was grumbling, and I'm just laying in bed thinking, "Steak, steak, 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 steak. I need a steak. I need a steak." I, I practically jumped up out of bed in my underwear and ran to the store to get myself a steak. Fried that bastard up. 
ate it with my fingers. I don't have time to cut it. Forget cutlery. We don't have time. This is a fucking emergency. I need red meat stat to shove it down my throat. So that was very enjoyable. <laughs> so, so much to get through. I promise I, I'll try not to let uh, my new dietary habits run me down too much and turn this into an even more boring production. Uh, there's there's a lovely Kamala. Just before we do Kamala, though, pun, pun definitely not intended. Sorry about that. Sorry about throwing that imagery into the frontal cortex of your mind. <laughs> erase, erase. Think about me sitting on the toilet instead. That'll be much more attractive. I do want to do this article first. Uh, Amber, who is a member of the Daily Boogie Discord and a very active member, always posting great links, great articles. She posted this a few days ago, and I had to read it again. <laughs> like I said, we all have our vices and we all have our weaknesses, but I, I'm starting to think that uh, willpower... Even though I put my hand up, I'm not the most perfect individual. I have my issues as well when it comes to will. But I think willpower as, let's say, a commodity in general society is probably worth less than a Zimbabwean dollar at this point. And if you want evidence of this, I give you Exhibit A. This bracelet shocks you when you eat junk, smoke, and spend too much money. <laughs> That's right. People are now being encouraged to wear shock bracelets or shock collars. Let's call it let's call it what it really is, a shock collar to stop them from eating junk food, smoking and spending too much money. Ladies and gentlemen, we are literally treating ourselves like dogs. <laughs> All of us have been guilty at some point for doing or getting into things we shouldn't. Well, this bracelet shocks you when you do some of these things. For example, eating fast food or spending too much money. How about smoking or even waking up if you doze off during a sermon at church? How would Jesus look down on us right now? Like, can you imagine one of the saints turning to Jesus? Uh, Jay, Jay man, I've got news. Uh, the humans have developed a new way to keep themselves in line. Oh, good. Are they reading the Bible again? No, no, no. No, they're, they're shocking in themselves with electric collars that they would previously use to train dogs. Uh, really? I don't, I don't think this was in my image. I don't think I created them to do this. Nonetheless, the device is called Pavlock. Now, people who are aware of the experiment, I believe it's called Pavlov's dog. Is that the one? I'm sure it's just a coincidence. The device is called Pavlock, and you can set it to keep you from doing the things that tempt you the most. According to the Amazon description, Pavlock helps break bad habits by associating the discomfort of the electric jolt with the bad habit that is being performed. <laughs> <clears throat> well, it wouldn't stop me from smoking because I would probably uh, attach my testicles to a car battery if it meant uh, I could get another puff. So that probably won't work. Uh, it probably won't stop me from drinking because I would probably, uh, you know, sit in a bathtub drinking a cocktail while somebody throws in a plugged-in toaster and still enjoy my beverage. It wouldn't stop me from doing that. Uh, but I might get one of these things, hopefully just to make me stop pissing on the rug. That's, one of, that's been one of my wife's complaints over many years. 
Look, I don't mind the drinking, I don't mind the smoking, but could you just stop rubbing your ass up against the lounge, please, when you have worms? Could you do that? Ah, oh, damn it. That's right. Humans go in the toilet, of course. So there you have it. We are being treated like dogs and being encouraged to do so. <laughs> Earth Citizen says, Boogie, if you lose poundage, you'll be happier and we need you to stay happy. I'm not sure that that's necessarily true. Is it, aren't, aren't fat people jolly? I'm not fat, but I'm kind of, I'm on my way. I'm starting to get a little soggy. Do you know what I mean? A little puffy. And I don't like to be puffy. <clears throat> I'd like to be able to see uh, the entire length of my penis when I urinate and not just the end part. When I look down, so I'm just, you know, having to suck it in. <sighs> When, you, when you're having to suck it in, when you go to the toilet, it's not very convenient. And it can lead to accidents. Believe it or not. <laughs> Someone's saying, you're so weird. I don't know. I think I'm pretty straight. I think I'm pretty normal. Um, who's going to race out and get themselves a training collar for their children? <clears throat> Why not? Why not? Are you worried about your kids doing things that they shouldn't, staying out too late? Imagine being able to sit at home and just jolt them. <laughs> Once upon a time, this would have been abusive behavior. Now, it's encouraged as correcting unwanted behaviors. Isn't it lovely? I tell you, we're, we're a highly developed species here on Earth. We're evolving at a fantastic speed. In fact, we're, evol we're evolving so rapidly, we're actually going back to the start again and being treated like dogs. Speaking of dogs... Uh, Kamala Harris was chatting, uh, she was hanging with Mr. Cooper the other day. She had a lot of interesting things to say, primarily about the Ukraine saga, Ukraine gate, as I'm sure it's only a matter of time until it gets referred to as Ukraine gate. And she also let slip an idea that she had for protecting people. You see, because Kamala's all about protection. She loves protecting people. She loves to know that uh, the population is wrapped up in a nice, big, warm safety blanket where they can't get hurt. And you know what hurts people more than shock collars, what hurts people more than eating too much salt, is reading things on the president's Twitter account. You see, that can be very harmful in today's day and age. Hey, maybe we've solved the problem. Maybe we'll just hook everybody. Maybe we'll hook everybody up who gets really offended by shit that they read on Twitter to one of these shock collars. And then when they go to President Trump's timeline, oh shit, that's right. I can't read that. I can't read that. It's a micro shock to prevent a microaggression. That's good. I'm glad I got trained. Thank you, Mum. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for looking after me. Uh, let's see what Kamala's got to say for herself. First of all, I guess, what do you make of Jim Acosta's reporting that the president's allies are concerned he doesn't actually understand the gravity of this impeachment fight? Well, I mean, to be very candid, I don't think he has ever understood the gravity of the job, period. <laughs> now, another way of saying that the president doesn't understand the gravity of the impeachment fight would be uh, the president isn't taking the impeachment fight seriously or the president gives no respect to the people who are launching the impeachment fight at all. That might be another way of saying it. The president thinks the impeachment fight is ridiculous and he's not going to spend a moment talking about it. 
<laughs> Maybe that's another way of saying it. And um, and this is serious. This is a very- someone in the chat said, uh, "You're offended by what she said." I haven't even played the clip yet, but yes, you got me. You got me. I'm I'm actually offended by everything. I'm I'm, I'm thank you thank you for pointing that out. Not just to me, but to everybody else in the audience. And if you could continue uh, saying that how offended I am at things, uh, that would be I would be most grateful for that. I really do need that that certain somebody in my life just to whisper in my ear, bro. By the way, you're offended by this. You're offended by this. Oh, am I? God, oh, good. Thank God. Maybe I need a shock collar too. Very serious matter. We are talking about the fact, as confessed by the president, essentially, and with plenty of evidence, including <laughs> a cover-up. The fact, as confessed by the president, essentially, sort of, kinda, essentially, maybe, not really. And including clear evidence of consciousness of guilt, that the president of the United States used American tax... He has a consciousness of guilt. They're very good at reading minds, aren't they, these people? Well, yes, I was I was watching the president and I listened to what he said and it was clear to me that deep in his subconscious he was wrestling with feelings of guilt and for me that's good enough. May as well may as well stick the needle in his arm right now, lethal inject that bastard back to wherever the hell he came from. Cuz he feels guilty if you ask me. Here <laughs> dollars to and to and held them hostage. Hostage um, with an expectation don't you love the use of the language? Held them hostage. <laughs> we wouldn't want to be over dramatic now, would we? <laughs> Donald Trump used taxpayer money to hold the Ukraine hostage. Like he was over there hitting them with $100 bills over the head. You're going to buy these guns or I'm going to keep hitting you over the head with these $100 bills. Oh, Mr. President, we love... Remember, we, we played the clip of the Ukrainian president last week. I just want to say I'm big, uh, uh, very happy uh, to talk with uh, Mr. Trump. Thank you for invitation. And, uh, you know, we love your support. And uh, we are a big fan of America. And there was no push. There was no pressure. There was no pushing, no pressure. So thank you, Mr. Trump, for support. Uh, thank you for what you do for Ukraine. Thank you very much. And I put it to you, the only way that they're going to be able to keep this story going is to completely disregard everything that the president of the Ukraine said. Mind you, it's going to be difficult when the president of the Ukraine himself is the target of this so-called pressure that he says didn't happen, you see. But they really don't care. Because, see, the real thing here is Trump has a, he's festering a consciousness of guilt for holding the Ukraine hostage, you see. The president of the Ukraine might say something different, but that's because he has uh, Stockholm Syndrome, you see. You know, when hostages start to really show affection for the people that are holding the gun to their head, that's the problem with the president of the Ukraine. It's not that he wasn't pressured, it's that he feels pressured to say that because he's now in love with the person that's holding him hostage. It's all very scientific. It's all very straight down the line. I think Kamala's onto a winner here. 
and held them hostage um, with an expectation of favor from the head ah, of a foreign government. Yeah. He should um, be concerned, but I don't know that he's ever demonstrated empathy on one end of the scale or um, consciousness of guilt um, in any real way on the other end. And, and so <laughs> He never feels guilty. Why is that? Why, why won't this guy feel guilty when we tell him to feel guilty? Why doesn't he have... She, now, she's already doubled back on herself. She said that he's already displayed a consciousness of guilt. And in the very next sentence, ladies and gentlemen, without even taking a breath, she says, I don't think that he's ever displayed a consciousness of guilt. <laughs> Remember last week when we were going through the different news reports and they kept changing their story from one hour to the next? Ladies and gentlemen, Kamala Harris is changing her story from one sentence to the next. She is, this is progress. All facts are fluid. All reality is relative. Reality is whatever word I say at this particular moment. The thing that I just said two sentences ago, 20 seconds ago, that no longer applies. You know, <clears throat> I think it's pretty clear to everybody that Donald Trump is displaying a consciousness of guilt when it comes to the Ukraine situation. And I don't think that he's ever felt guilty for anything because he really hasn't ever displayed that he's ever got a consciousness of guilt. She's on fire. But I think he's going to have to confront the realities right. of, of this most latest conduct realities. through the impeachment process. It's also, I mean, it's... it's oh, Karen's in the chat. Thank you for joining us, Denver Knight. My woke bay, Denver Knight. If you enjoy uh, a... A pa an impassioned rant from time to time. If you enjoy late night, would you say, debunking of everything that you hold dear, then you should absolutely follow Denver Knight. She is a she is a bonfire. She is hot to trot. One of my favorite Periscope peeps. So give him a wave, Karen. Say hello. And then jump in Karen's chat and try to troll her. She really enjoys that. She's very welcoming of trolls. She's very respectful of other people's views. And she's very straight. She's very diplomatic when she talks about politics and her preferred political positions and the policies that she supports. Very diplomatic. Doesn't, doesn't go off the handle at anybody. Very straight down. Very um, reserved kind of person. You know, doesn't use uh, expletives at all. Doesn't uh, get you know, riled up over anything. She's, she's great. So you really enjoy. From a foreign government, not for the benefit of the United States on a policy basis. It's Correct. a favor right. from, uh, against a candidate. Personal favor. Yeah. You tried to do me a personal favor. A personal favor. <clears throat> so if you actually read the transcript, the favor part was separate to the Biden investigation part. Because they, the way they presented it was, do me a favor, dot, 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 investigate Biden. But that's really not how it goes. Like, the dot, dot, dot means there are words missing. And I know in this current day and age, a lot of people don't even have a rudimentary understanding of English. And that's fine. That's fine. I'm not picking on you. But that is one of the, that is one of the core essential foundations that you need to understand when we're doing quotes in stories, is when you see dot, 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 my Democratic comrades out there, when you see dot, 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 that means that there's words there that they're not showing you, okay? For example, 
um, I could write a storybook and say, once upon a time, there was a guy named Boogie Bumper, dot, 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 and then they all lived happily ever after. And that would still be a quote. That would still be an apt quote. But you have to understand the dot, dot, dot represents a whole bunch of words that they're not showing you. So this do me a favor, dot, 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 investigate Joe Biden. Apparently, the favor that he was asking had more to do with uh, selling some kind of arms to the Ukraine. To get this, to help them fight against the Russians, believe it or not. Remember last week when Donald Trump was a Russian puppet? Well, he's he's not he's not being a very good Russian puppet. I imagine that Vladimir Putin would be most displeased with Donald Trump asking the Ukrainians to buy uh, American weapons in order to fight against Vladimir Putin's soldiers. Like I think that he might have a problem with that. So he's being a very naughty cock holster, is Donald Trump. But putting that to one side, uh, so now it's a personal favor. Can you please, I didn't know that Trump was now, I didn't know he was manufacturing firearms now. I know he was doing steak at one point. Uh, I know he builds hotels, yes. Uh, He was selling wine at some point as well. Champagne, that was a thing, wasn't it? Trump Trump vineyards. Uh, He was selling university degrees, which didn't work out too well for the guy, let's be honest. (laughs) Hey, maybe all the people who don't understand what dot, dot, dot is actually got their degree at Trump University, huh? Huh? How about that? How do you like that? So hotels, golf courses, yes, steaks, uh, vineyard. Okay. When did he start manufacturing, you know, surface-to-air missiles? Big, big gold ones with a T on the side of it. A big Trump missile. Looks like a big mushroom cock going up into the sky to shoot down Russian fighters. Wouldn't that be fantastic? So please do me a personal favor and buy my Trump brand uh, weapons of mass destruction, if you would, so I can make money. So it's just for me. It's a personal favor to me. Good job, Kamala. I'm wondering what do you make of the fact right, that the president had no problem tweeting a pastor's mention of civil war, that the country could you know, sort of go through a civil war um, for a president to be invoking the the very notion mm. of Americans fighting against Americans yep. over this issue mm. is I, uh, uh, were you I guess uh, I, don't, I was going to say uh, were you surprised? I assume, yeah, we're all speechless. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're all speechless. Anderson, speechless. The last time our country endured a civil war was mm. over America's original sin, slavery. Um, that's that's kind of true but not really isn't it like i don't i don't want to tell americans about their own sort of national history but i was a little bit of a civil war buff when i was a kid used to read all the civil war books and stuff it wasn't all about slavery any any you know again rudimentary study into the history of the civil war will tell you that it wasn't all about slavery that was kind of one of the things that was driving an economic argument. And the economic argument was driving the federalization argument. It was more about states' rights than it was, you know, a group thought that states' rights were more important and another group thought that the federal government was more important. And, of course, back in the time, 
if you were to end slavery, you would have severely crippled the economy of the South. So they would have gone broke at the time. So that was another thing that was in it. Uh, it wasn't just slavery. In fact, um, Abraham Lincoln wasn't a big fan of the African Americans, and he th- he said even though they're gonna, even though we're going to release them from their chains of slavery and their chains of oppression, they're still not the same. They're still not equal to the white guys. Honest Abe, ladies and gentlemen, wasn't a big wasn't a big fan of uh, the brothers and sisters. Unfortunately, I'm here to tell you. But again, um, I don't want to tell Americans about their own history, so. And if Donald Trump thinks that this is a moment where he's actually being held accountable for his failures as president and his failure to uphold the... the Silly me. I thought that uh, being held accountable for your failures as an elected official meant losing the next election. Remember back in those days? Remember those days? when you used to be held accountable by the voters? Like, say, in 2016, where arguably the most unpopular Democratic candidate of all time, a young lady named Hillary Clinton, uh, inspired a whole bunch of Democrats to actively protest against her because they hated her so much. In one of the lowest turnouts of all time, she was being held accountable. No, 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 silly. That was Russia. That was all Russia. That was the Facebook ads and the Twitter bots that did that. You see, because Joe Smith and, you know, and Beatrice Jones, who live on a farm in Oklahoma, they were just so hooked in to uh, Twitter at the time that they couldn't help but be swept off their feet by the smooth-talking Kremlin propagandists on Twitter, you see? to protect the Constitution of the United States and our democracy, if he's equating that with a war that took place between American people <laughs> over slavery, I mean, it is yet... Uh, no, you're equating it to slavery. <laughs> you just did that. You're the one that's equating Donald Trump's tweet to slavery. It should come as no surprise, though, because Kamala Harris, from what I've seen, uh, she does tend to equate most things to slavery. So she is uh, staying true to character, at least, we can say that. That again, evidence of the fact that he is delusional in that he has a very outsized sense of himself as compared to the history of our country right. and all that we have been through and all that we are capable of. Yeah. So, you know, I just think what's most important is we mm. not indulge his um, delusions. Delusions. And uh, that we bring him back to reality. And I think nah. the impeachment process will do that. There are a lot of supporters, though, of the personality. <laughs> I love the specifics, don't you? I love that she's taking this very seriously. Well, see, the main problem, the main reason that we should impeach is let's not get too caught up in the whole Ukraine thing because the president of the Ukraine has pretty much blown, you know, Swiss cheese-like holes through that story. So let's just mention it in passing. But the real story here is that Donald Trump, uh, he's equating the civil war, a new civil war to slavery. And the other problem is he has like a, he thinks really highly of himself and somebody needs to cut him down. Somebody needs to bring him back down to earth. So I'm glad we're impeaching him so we can teach him a little bit of a lesson about what it means to be a little bit modest, Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump, 
How could you, sir? Somebody needs to teach that boy a lesson. And it may as well be Kamala Harris. Out there who are, you know, good people who work hard mm. and voted for him in good it's faith and one. believe in, in him sure. to this day. This is going to be a tricky one. <laughs> when, when Anderson Cooper says, but what about all of the people who really like Donald Trump and voted for him in good faith? What about them? Ooh. Uh, the, the people that voted for the dangerous, delusional, corrupt guy that you've been saying for the last three years. Okay. I'm wondering what you say to them who, who look at this and say, well, look, this is just Democrats can't get them out of the by it through, you know, the ballot box. So now they're just trying to do it this way. I, I, listen, I, I will never <laughs> fault anyone for a decision they made about who to vote for. No. Um, meaning that I don't believe that to be then the entire measure of who people are. What I no. would say is this. What would you say? Um, to everyone, and I say it all the time. Everyone. The, the framers of our constitution, the founders of our nation. Why, what's this language being used lately, the framers? Is it, is it not right to say founders? Again, like I'm happy to be corrected. I'm not saying that I'm an authority on this. I'm not even a I'm not even a bloody yank, mate. But I always thought founders was good enough, but I've noticed this language creeping in lately. Have you? Oh, the framers of the constitution. And I wonder if it's something subtle like, well, if we refer to them as framers instead of founders, then framing can be changed, but founding happens once, right? Like once you found something, it's been founded. That's it. That's the way it is. But if you're framing something, then you can kind of make the argument, well, they wanted it to change and evolve and they just framed it. Like they gave us the original idea and now we can pick it up and run with it. And now we can, you know, fiddle with it around the edges. Now we can change it to our liking because they framed it. They didn't found the constitution. They framed us, right? Just wonder if that's what they're getting at there with that kind of shit. They love their word games. They love their linguistics. And if you don't think linguistics are important and if you don't think these kinds of things take place, um, I would ask my Democrat comrades who are saying, this guy's a fucking lunatic. I would say, uh, have you read Noam Chomsky? I have. <laughs> my Democrat left-wing brothers and sisters. If you don't think linguistics are important, uh, try reading Noam Chomsky. He'll tell you otherwise. He's a big fan of yours. Loves your side of the aisle. They imagined a moment such as this. They imagined a moment where one branch of government would abuse its power. And so they just... Wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. They imagined a moment when one branch of government would abuse its power. The, fa the framers, the founders. I like how she's bringing that up in regards to the impeachment process and not the Second Amendment. <laughs> you know, the framers uh, predicted that at some point tyrants would try to get into power, and that's why they gave us what? The Second Amendment? No, no, silly. The impeachment process. Ah. ah. So what was the Second Amendment for? I don't know. Something about muskets and the queen coming over or the king or whatever, you know, hunting on your property having a militia or some shit, whatever it is, it's antiquated. It doesn't mean anything. It's, it needs to change. Remember, the framers would have been happy for progress. They love progress. Designed our beautiful system of democracy, flawed though it may be. Beautiful. They designed... 
Now, <laughs> I love this too. Now all the Democrats who want to change the Constitution every single week are all in favour. Now they love the Constitution, but they keep calling it a democracy still. It's like saying, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Backman-Turner Overdrive. Love Backman-Turner Overdrive. You know, when Backman-Turner Overdrive was framing their songs, they were inspired by God. I mean, it was next-level stuff. Oh, so what, what's your favourite Backman-Turner Overdrive song? Um, the one about the, um, uh, you know, where they, is it, is, where they go to work? Is that one of them? Is that one of theirs? I like that one. That's a good one. And there's another one too about um, uh, driving a car really fast. I think I think that's them. Yeah, big fan. Love them. I love Backman Turner Overdrive and their disco. Uh, they played rock and roll. Well, it's open to interpretation. It's power. And so they designed our beautiful system of democracy, flawed though it may be, they designed it such that there would be checks and balances. Checks and balances. And that's what's happening right now. And so the check and balance is that where there has been an abuse by the executive branch, mm-hmm. Congress yep. is acting. And this is evidence of the fact that our democracy is intact. And it's a republic. And I think we all should 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 support the fact that, that a democracy... Re- uh, republic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, love, big big fan of Backman-Turner Overdrive. Requires moments like this where there will be that check and balance, and that, that's part of what makes us proud to be Americans, which is that we truly are a democracy. Uh, you truly are a republic. A republic. I, well, why do we have to keep correcting them on this? <laughs> yeah, so... <coughs> pardon me. Yeah, so it's like... You know, back... <coughs> that voice, I can't... So it's like back when I was in college listening, like back when I was getting high listening to Tupac and Snoop Dogg um, four years before their albums came out because I transcend time and space, baby. I am omnipotent. So I was listening to um, Snoop and and Park Park and Snoop Dogg. Dogg. Sup, dog. Yep, listening to all the cool rappers back in my college. And... You know, back then, uh, we it was really important. It was really, really, really important to remember that America is such a fantastic place. It's uh, it's a democracy. It's a democracy. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the Constitution, reading the Constitution every single day of the week. Love the Constitution. Big fan. You know, the framers and the founders, they wrote, they actually physically wrote into the Constitution that it's up to us to protect the democracy. I uh, know. I'm pretty sure they said republic. I think they said the republic in that. Are you sure about that? Sure about that? I mean, I've been reading. I've been reading the Constitution like pretty full on for the last couple of weeks, brother. And I'm pretty sure it says democracy in there. And that's because we've all got a great democracy here. We love our democracy. <laughs> How can you trust anything that she says about the Constitution? She doesn't even know that America is a republic. She doesn't even know that America is not a democracy. And she's going to start quoting the framers or the founders or whatever the hell she wants to call those awful old white dead white guys. Why, why would anybody listen to her when it comes to the Constitution at all at this point? Because it's a democracy. 
with those kinds of checks and balances in place that actually work. In the introduction to the broadcast, we played the president saying in the Oval Office that they're trying to uh, find out about the whistleblower, learn about the whistleblower. Are you confident that Congress will be able to? Uh, P-Day asked Boogie, since you've read our Constitution, is Kamala eligible to run for president? Of course she is, bro. She was listening to Snoop and Tupac, man. Click, click, motherfucker. Got You got any, got any other truth bombs you want to try and drop on me, bro? Come on, man. Who cares about the Constitution anyway? It was writ- it was literally written like 30 years ago by some white guys. So who cares, man? I'm not here for the white man's truth. The white man ain't going to hold me down. To protect the whistleblower's identity? Because, I mean, it, and I'm wondering, do you believe that this person's, not just job is in jeopardy, but, yep. I mean, they're very, I mean, that their life, are, are they in jeopardy physically? Mm-hmm. got to protect we've got to protect the identity of the whistleblower uh this is just a quick reminder ladies and gentlemen that cnn is the network that wanted to dox a guy who made a meme about cnn do you remember that and cnn is also the network that went to a little old lady's house and harassed her with a camera and a reporter sticking a microphone in her face asking her if she's a russian agent because she was part of a facebook group <laughs> So they're, they're very keen on protecting people's identity, is CNN. You know, I have to believe that, um, and, and I do believe, that the United States Congress, the leaders of the United States Congress, um, will do everything that is necessary to support and protect um, the whistleblower. Mm. The president's tweets and his behaviors about this are just further evidence of the fact that he uses his power in a way that is designed to beat people down instead of (laughs) lift people up. (laughs) Frankly, when you look at what he's been tweeting today, directed at the whistleblower, um, directed at at so many people, Mm. uh, you know, I I frankly think that based on this and all we've seen him do before, including attacking members of Congress, that he he frankly should be his Twitter account should be suspended. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you should kick the guy off Twitter. Should ban the president's Twitter account. I wonder, I wonder if she had a handler at that point, like behind the camera, on this side of the camera, going like, no, ex-nay on the suspensions, Shay. That's not going to, that's not going to be very popular, Kamala. Kick him off Twitter. Fuck him. <laughs> She's put a lot of thought into this. <laughs> Because he likes to beat people down. Um, I think there is plenty of, of, of now evidence to yeah, suggest evidence. that he is irresponsible with uh-huh. his words in a way that could result in harm to other people. Right. Right. Kamala Harris, ladies and gentlemen, says the president is so irresponsible with his words, it could result in harm to other people. Harm to other people. Now, Kamala Harris is not irresponsible with her words at all. Kamala Harris is a professional. She thinks about everything that she says, including from one sentence to the next. Like, for example, the president has a consciousness of guilt to the very next sentence, the president has no consciousness of guilt. 
She's never irresponsible with her words, democracy. She thinks about every single statement, democracy, that she says, democracy. Democracy. Framers. Democracy. Consciousness of guilt. Harm. Causing harm. Democracy. Harm. (laughs) And so the privilege of using those words in that way should probably be taken from him. But doesn't that, I mean, play... The privilege. So (laughs) here we are. Here we are. We've been pumping up the framers or the founders or whatever you want to call them. You want to be, you're talking about the beautiful system that they created. Oh, it's such a fine system. You know, Anderson, I just, sometimes I just lay awake at night looking at the ceiling and I feel all tingly all over thinking about the magnificent job that our framers did in creating this beautiful country and a system of checks and balances. Because the checks and balances are what's important to a very strong democracy. And that's what we really care about, is having a strong democracy. And, you know, sometimes I'm just overcome with emotion and my admiration for the founders and the magnificent job that they did framing this this magnificent document for these checks and balances. And because of that, I think that the president should lose his privileges when it com- when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to using a Twitter account because fuck free speech. <laughs> we need to protect the democracy by uh, removing the president's privileges for speech, protecting the democracy. <sighs> into certainly the hands of, you know, his, what I don't know how many Twitter followers he has. I think it's in the range of 60 million. Just 60 million. <laughs> I don't know how many it is. 10, 20, 5,000, 60 million, whatever, whatever it is. I don't, I don't know. I don't keep track of it. We would say, well, look, okay, now they're, now, you know, the, the rich folks in Silicon Valley are just mm. trying to cut out, silence me and taking me off Twitter. you have to give anderson some credit here anderson proves that he is not completely devoid of common sense when he poses this question to kamala harris i'll show you again of using those words in that way should probably be taken from him but doesn't that i mean play into certainly the hands of you know his what i don't know how many twitter followers he has i think it's in the range of 60 million who say well look okay now they're now you know, the the rich folks in Silicon Valley are just trying to cut out, silence me and taking me off Twitter. <laughs> oh, shit. I never thought of that. I never thought of that, Anderson. <laughs> you know, I was just so convinced that it was such a good idea to ban the president off Twitter that I just ran with it. I wasn't really thinking about the political fallout and the repercussions that might come from announcing such a stance on your television show. I didn't think of the headlines that would be written. I didn't think of the conversations that would be started in little on little places like this. Don't don't you think don't you think that might actually help the president if you come out and say that he needs to be banned off Twitter because isn't that the exact thing that the president's supporters have been saying for the last 2 years? When it comes to censorship and bias and all that kind of stuff, don't you think that you're only uh, making the case for them? <sighs> Shit. Shit. Better, I need to find a way to spin this stat. 
I, I'm sure that that will that will be said, but I, it, we have to also agree that <laughs> I'm sure that will be said, but we you have to also agree with me. I'm sure there's going to be some rednecks and some troglodytes and some rock apes out there, some knuckle-dragging, drooling morons who will be out there saying that it's wrong to get the president banned from Twitter. But surely, in the cold light of day, you have to agree with me that he's got to go. <laughs> he's got to be banned. Uh, and then the big smile. Uh, bling, the twinkle in her eye. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people will say that it's wrong to ban- to kick the president off Twitter, but at the end of the day, I'm Kamala Harris. You have to agree with me. <laughs> when the president of the United States speaks, her words are very powerful and should be used in a way that is not... A- her words? Did she say her words? When the president of the United States speaks, her words are very powerful. Don't, don't, aren't we getting a little ahead of ourselves here, Kamala? Don't you think we're just getting a little teeny tiny bit ahead of ourselves? You haven't won yet, darling. You know, the president's words, her words are so powerful. <laughs> did, you, did you just misgender the president? It's pretty intolerant, man. It's very intolerant. Not very progressive of you, Kamala. United States speaks. Her words are very words, powerful. Very powerful. And should be used in a way that is not about belittling, much less uh, harming yeah, anyone. Yeah. And this president has, I think, never fully appreciated that responsibility. Oh, but you do. You do. You don't belittle anybody. Like, say, for example, uh, when you ask uh, people who work for the Immigrations Department, if they understand why people are calling them Ku Klux Klan members. Do you remember that? You wouldn't want to belittle anybody. You understand how powerful words are. You wouldn't just fall ass backwards into an association meme trying to make the men and women who work for uh, immigrations enforcement appear to be the same as Ku Klux Klan members who lynched black people. You wouldn't want that to happen because you're very responsible with your words, Kamala, aren't you? Very responsible indeed. And I like that Kamala is now going to decide what's irresponsible speech and responsible speech. Yeah, you know, fuck free speech. It, it, no, actually, it'd be one of these things. It's like, I'm all for free speech, but I believe in free speech with responsibility. I don't believe in irresponsible free speech. <laughs> and the president should lose his Twitter privileges because he's being irresponsible with his speech. I'm sure a lot of people out there are going to say that this just... Uh, this just cements the idea, the right-wing fantasy that people are trying to get the president kicked off Twitter. But I think you need to agree with me that he should be kicked off Twitter. And that would be a good idea. That would be a good thing. Because he's very irresponsible. And he says mean things sometimes. And so what we see continuously, including in the last 24 hours, is a use of his words, Donald Trump using his words, words in a way that could subject someone to harm. Mm. And if he's not going to exercise self-restraint, then perhaps there should be other mechanisms in place to make sure that his his words do not, in fact, harm anyone. And that's my point. Wow. So I guess you don't want a president at all then. Perhaps you'd settle for a cardboard cutout. Really? So you you think you think 
that you need to res- you need to restrain the president from speaking freely and you and you want to be president you know what bring in the restraints bring in the restraints let's make up a whole list of rules about what the president can and can't say and then we'll elect kamala harris <laughs> then put kamala harris in and she sits down to her first address and is like, um, can I, no, sorry, we can't say that. No, you can't say that. No, sorry, Kamala, can't say that. Because she loves the democracy. Big democracy, big fan of democracy. It's Kamala Harris. What we want to make sure is that his words do not actually result in harm to right. anyone. Yep. Just, just lastly. Uh, Understanding the potential right. for that. Uh-huh. Just lastly. Well, so now it's potential harm. <laughs> just gets better and better. Just keep digging, babe. This is great stuff. This is fantastic. This is going to be clipped into one of those little Twitter videos that's going to be shared a million times, I guarantee it. A political question here. Politico is reporting tonight that you're shaking up the top level of your presidential campaign staff, specifically you're bringing your Senate chief of staff in. I I hope you've told them what they can and can't say, Kamala. In true American spirit, I hope in shaking up your staff you have given them a good dressing down and told them specifically what is appropriate and inappropriate and what is responsible and irresponsible. And I hope that they are all on board with your message that the president's Twitter privileges should be removed because of the potential harm that may befoul somebody should those words be taken in the wrong manner. Bravo. Well done. Your future president, ladies and gentlemen, Kamala Harris, doing doing what's right. Doing the right thing. Found this fun little story for you. We can just change tack. You're listening to The Daily Boogie. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, we've. if you're a long-time listener to this podcast, you know that I have put it to you. The, the end of, um, would you say, multicultural-style politics, the end of diversity politics if you want to make such a term. The end of that will come when people start attacking food because when it comes to arguments about multiculturalism and diversity and mass immigration and whatnot, the fundamental premise always seems for most people to come down to what kind of restaurant they can go to. This is just something I've observed. It's an anecdotal observation. So somebody will say, well, we love multiculturalism and we need mass immigration. And you ask them why. And they'll say, what? Do you not like the Indian restaurant? Do you not like the taco taco stand? What's wrong with you? If we didn't have all of the wonderful immigrants and the multiculturalism and whatnot, then we wouldn't have all of this wonderful food. As if uh, recipes can't travel. You need to actually physically bring the chefs from the other parts of the world to make the food because <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't get a recipe across the border. It's actually harder to get a recipe across the border than it is to get a genuine uh, Mexican chef. Did you know that? The Mexican chef can just walk right over the border. No problem. Hey, welcome to country. The recipe, on the other hand, I think we need to, get, I need, I think we need to have a look at this. Check this paperwork. So this was in the Washington Post the other day, further cementing the eventual demise. And, you know, when a lot of people wake up, when they get told that they're not allowed to enjoy food anymore because it's racist, it's cultural appropriation, that will be the death 
of many, you know, progressive tinged policies, I think, anyway. To David Chang, the ethnic food aisle is racist. Others say it's convenient. Well, isn't racism convenient, though? Really? <laughs> Let's be honest here. It's far more convenient to be racist, surely. To, mil- to millions of shoppers, the supermarket is just a place to stock up on produce and pantry staples to keep the family fed. And yes, I would say normal people. That's me just adding that in parentheses, normal people. But to others, especially children of immigrants who may already feel pushed to the margins of the American mainstream, the supermarket can be just another place to experience the sting of their outsider status. Now, I'm not one to uh, make pronouncements about the real lived experience of somebody who's, you know, walking in a different pair of shoes, let's say. But I grew up in the mostly, the most heavily populated by uh, immigrant population. There are more immigrants living in my part of the world than any other part of Australia. So I grew up... Uh, surrounded by a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. Many of which uh, English was their second language, believe it or not. And for all the fun that we had when we were kids, you know, say playing basketball or listening to music or just hanging out, getting high occasionally, maybe sneaking a couple of beers, skipping school. I can't ever remember a time (laughs) when those immigrant children would walk down the supermarket aisle, be confronted with a, uh, you know, a foreign food section in the otherwise very dreary supermarket and then just, you know, collapse in a ball of tears and pain and suffering. Like, Jose, Jose, what's wrong? I don't know, man. Just, just seeing that taco mix there on the shelf, it just made me feel like, like nobody wants me here. That, that never happened. That never happened. I would go so far as to say, uh, if people are getting offended by what is on the supermarket shelves, then I think that's a you problem, not a supermarket problem. Just putting that out there. The sting, according to the author, occurs whenever they walk down the ethnic food aisle. The section of the supermarket that, to some, plays out like a remnant of the Jim Crow era. <laughs> Never mind equating Donald Trump's uh, tweets to the civil war about slavery, ladies and gentlemen. We are now <laughs> we are now equating the ethnic food aisle at your local supermarket to Jim Crow segregation. <laughs> you know, you've got to be responsible with your words. <laughs> got to be very responsible. You don't want to lose your Twitter privileges now, do you? Wow. The ethnic food aisle is a remnant of the Jim Crow era. <laughs> when lo- <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> Got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever read. Holy cow. <laughs> and now, if you are from an ethnic background, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, be sure to stick to your ethnic food aisle. Be sure to stick to your specific aisle. Do not go into the haberdashery section. Do not go where they sell bed sheets. 
because I have been informed reliably that there will be a few Anglo-Saxon men in the aisles outside of the ethnic food aisle, and they may be dressed up in some kind of confrontational costume <laughs> just to make sure that the little ethnic children don't stray out of their allotted supermarket aisle. So... <laughs> I heard the most troubling story the other day. Uh, young Jose went down to the supermarket and he walked out of the ethnic food aisle and he was bashed by local sheriffs with batons. You know, my my dear old grandmother, bless her heart, she went to the local supermarket. She couldn't find her allotted ethnic food aisle. And it turns out the store manager turned the fire hose on her. Did you know about that? My, how awful. The Jim Crow Mart. The Jim Crow Supermark. Where everything is in its rightful place and doesn't mix ever. <laughs> Bring your coupons to the Jim Crow Supermarket. Sometimes known as the International Food Aisle, how offensive, or even Asian and Latino aisles, these rows can come across to the shoppers they seemingly target as de facto segregation. Another kind of separate but equal policy that marginalised African American gen- African Americans for generations. Yeah. If there are any uh, African American brothers or sisters in the audience, would you please uh, please inform us here on the show and inform the audience of the tremendous amount of oppression you feel when you head to the local supermarket and don't find the tacos in the regular aisle and instead find them in the international food section? Perhaps. W- Perhaps were you alarmed and afraid and confronted when you didn't find the hockey and noodles in the aisle with the with the pasta sauce? Did this upset you? It should. This is basically like Jim Crow that we're talking about here. Does the does the Jim Crow market sell pickles? <laughs> Karen in the chat. Listen to this. If you go, this is a quote. If you go to the ethnic food aisle. That is the sort of last bastion of racism that you can see in full daylight in retail America. It's something that's got to go. (laughs) The last bastion of racism. That's it. If we eliminate the international food aisle at the Safeway, then all of the racism will disappear overnight. Hoorah! Hooray! We've solved the racism problem. Except for the supermarket. (laughs) I knew... I knew if we looked hard enough, we'd find racism somewhere. What do you know? I found it right here in Walmart. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew that the little corner store that sells things and has a little international section for perhaps some curries, like a good curry, do you? If you like a good curry, guess what? You've just been Jim Crowed. So the curries, the hockey and noodles, uh, the Kobe beef, the taco shit, the burritos, all of that stuff. That Apparently, wherever that is in your local supermarket, that's where the racism is. <laughs> these, ladies and gentlemen, these people are stark raving mad. In a, ten- in a telephone interview, Chang says there is an invisible ceiling on some supermarket items, 
Italian products that were once marginalised, such as olive... And so now we're marginalising condiments. We're mar- <laughs> Boogie Bumper, don't talk about another blatant disregard for our laws from the... <laughs> Thanks, Eisenberg. So now we're marginalising condiments. Olive oil was marginalised. Would somebody please think of the tomato sauce? My God. Italian products that were... What what are we going to do then with the Asian grocers? What are we going to do with the Indian grocers, right? What about those grocery stores that only sell things from their native homeland, right? I'm sure you have them there like we have them here. There are so many supermarkets in Sydney that, like, they don't even have English signage. It's where you only get the Asian stuff, where you only get the Chinese stuff, where you only get the Indian stuff, where you only get the Lebanese stuff, where you only get the Greek stuff, whatever it is. There are stores that exist to uh, and are fully stocked just to cater to one particular demographic. So what are we going to do with all them? If the international food aisle in the supermarket is racist, that is basically like a fucking genocide. They've wiped every other race out. If the whole building only exists to sell one ethnicity's food products, then we may as well drag them in front of the Hague. I'm not shopping at Little Hitler's. I'm not shopping at the Slobodan Milosevic superstore. What the hell is going on here? What are we going to do about that? The ongoing segregation of these foods... Yes, the foods are being segregated, folks. This is serious. Chang says, isn't about acceptance among the mainstream. Asian and Latino cuisines have long been embraced by Americans of every stripe. He says, you can sometimes even see this acceptance play out in supermarkets. Instant ramen and tortilla soups may sit right next to the boxes of chicken noodle and cream of chicken soups. Those standards of mid-century America, same for the uh, produce section, where plantains and mangoes will be sold in the same area as apples and iceberg lettuce. It's a big diversity fuckfest down at the local supermarket. Huh? Isn't it great? All of these foods from different from different countries and different uh, religions and different ethnicities, all of these foods just getting together on the shelves and getting tasty. Isn't it wonderful? Couldn't we learn something from the supermarket? Yet in supermarkets, there are still aisles dedicated to soy sauce, duck sauce, oyster sauce, rice vinegar, coconut milk, rice crackers, stir-fry sauces, yum-yum sauce, curry paste, cornflowers. He's, he, I'm reading this. He's literally just reciting all of the products that are in the international food aisle now. <laughs> Adobo seasoning, bag tortillas, refried beans, salsas, and hundreds of other products connected sometimes tenuously to Asian and Latin American countries. All the foods in the ethnic food aisle are already accepted. So why do we even have them? The aisles, he adds, are an echo of this is what the aisles are. This is what the aisles are, okay? The aisles are, quote, 1950s America, which was not a particularly good place to be, especially if you were Asian. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't do this anymore. That's it. I can't do this show anymore. <laughs> why, why do these people make this so damn easy? 
Ugh. To be fair, the supermarkets were a lot different in 1950s America. Much different. Uh, things were a hell of a lot cheaper. And the women were actually in there purchasing stuff that they would cook later on for the family. <laughs> now we now we have uh, race crusaders in there with clipboards uh, trying to figure out why the supermarket is racist for the rest of us. I guess that's how things change, right? To Chang's way of thinking, these aisles continue to exist because nobody wants to talk about them. <laughs> Because you know how they say, you know, racism is a very serious issue, but we shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. It's not always that people aren't afraid. It's I don't I, see this is the thing. Maybe I'm being too cynical. Maybe I'm not being fair. But is the problem that people are afraid to talk about the racism in the international aisle at the supermarket, or is it the kind of is it more accurate to say that? People have never considered the international supermarket to be a representation of Jim Crow era segregation because they're not fucking lunatics. Is Which one do you think is more accurate? Are people afraid to talk about the obvious racism in these supermarkets or are people not stark raving mad? Which one do you think it is? I'm, I'm trending towards the former, but I'm happy to be corrected. Happy to be corrected which was certainly true about the publicists I contacted for this story. So now he's writing to publicists of these supermarket chains, asking them why they have racist food aisles. Representatives of Whole Foods Market, Giant Food, Kroger, Albertsons and Harris Teeter either declined to comment or did not return multiple phone calls for comment. (laughs) You have to be a special individual to harass supermarkets to call up constantly, constantly calling, writing emails about the racism in the international food section of your supermarket. Hello, my name is David, and I want to talk to you about the Jim Crow era-inspired international food aisle at your supermarket and how it's making people feel oppressed and detached from mainstream society. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, Why don't I just pop you on hold for a minute and we'll get back to you. Okay. Hello, David, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. And the Jim Crow era segregation aisle of the supermarket is still there too. I might. Sorry, sorry. One second. I'll be right back. Just hang on. Is he still there? Is he still waiting? Hello, hello. Yes, I'm sorry. I'll have to get my secretary to call you back. Imagine doing this multiple times now. Multiple times calling up these supermarkets complaining about the racism in the supermarket. Not from people, but from where the products are placed on the shelves. (laughs) I have a complaint. I want to speak to the manager immediately. Uh, Hello, yes, I'm the manager. How can I help you? I want to make a complaint. I was in your store earlier today and I experienced the most horrible form of racism imaginable. Oh, really? Well, I'm deeply sorry. Deeply sorry to hear that. Uh, would, would you like to come in and make an official complaint? Was it which one of my, was it a staff member? I hope it wasn't a staff member. Was it another customer? If you can point us to the person that made the racist remark to you, I'd be more than happy to ban them from the store or at least uh, fire them if they're working here. 
Oh, don't be stupid. It had nothing to do with people in the store, you idiot. It was all about the food. I'm, I'm sorry? Were you offended by... Did somebody make a remark about food that was racist? No. You seem to put the hockey and noodles in their own section. Do you know how oppressive and offensive that is to people of Asian descent? It is literally the most racist thing I have ever experienced. I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> the, the hockey and noodles? Yes, don't pretend like you don't know what they are. Everybody knows what they are. They should be in the noodle aisle with every other noodle. Why is, why is this Jim Crow-inspired segregation taking place at your supermarket, sir? Uh-huh. All right. Um, I'm going to have to get you to put in an official complaint. Uh, here's my email address. If you could just refer your complaint to email from now on, and, uh, you know, this isn't even actually a good number to call me on. Like, this number is always busy. Always. Like, 24 hours a day. This number's going to be busy. So if you would like to just put your complaint in writing, and I'll have somebody take a look at it. Thank you very much. Imagine having these kinds of experiences. And then when you get to the end of this experience, you've made dozens of calls, you've written dozens of emails. Imagine being of the mind where your rationale says to you, the reason that they're not calling me back, the reason that they're not answering my calls, the reason that they're not responding to my emails is because they're afraid. They're afraid of discussing how racist they are. <laughs> Next level. We are through the looking glass, people. <laughs> this is some next level shit. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Just when you thought the world was free of racism, the people down at Whole Foods strike once again. Those disgusting Hitlerian Nazi Ku Klux Klan worshipping Whole Foods workers. Putting the tacos and the soy sauce in a place where they ought not be. In the Isle of Shame. The Isle of Racism. The Jim Crow Supermarket. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, that'll bring us to the end of another episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to complain about the racism in my supermarket, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Don't forget to follow our friends at real person PLTCS at ChrisMC44 at YCensored underscore. And of course, at Denver Knight, my woke bay Karen in the chat. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Got a bit of a bit of a random show tomorrow got so many links i do want to have a look at a story that i discovered earlier there's a new way to teach sex education in schools you'll be pleased to know they are literally using clowns from a circus so we'll have a look at that video tomorrow until then guys thank you so much for joining us stay calm stay rational god bless and we'll see you soon bye bye